Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. I'm so, so thrilled to be able to speak to you tonight. And I was so encouraged that so many people came and told me how much God spoke to you through the last talk in our Summer of Miracle series. Uh, if you've not watched that, you can go back through and get all of our talks before. But it was about a widow who was facing a scary future. And she asked help from a prophet called Elisha. And God provided miraculously when she took what she had in the house and began to use it. Rather than getting stuck in fear and complaining, I don't have anything, she remembered a small jar with a little bit of oil, and that was the resource that God had given her. And actually the jar, of course, was a resource too, don't forget the jar, and she used that. And the the place where she lived, the particular street, those neighbours, all potential resources. If she went out with the next resource that she had, which was a son. So they all went out, and, and the man of God had said, go to your neighbours and get jars, and get not a few, because only she would limit the miracle, you see, in her mind. She could put a lid on it. If she stayed in the house, there'd be no miracle. If she talked to nobody else, there'd be no miracle. So they went out, and they started to connect to other people. I bet they asked their friends and their family first, because that's what you do, isn't it? People you know, people who like you. And then they remembered, get not a few. So actually, we better go and ask that grumpy old guy down the road. And they go and clear his kitchen cupboard is out and they they borrow loads and loads of jars from lots and lots of people then the woman started to pour out the little that she had few drops of oil was all she owned but she believed the word she acted in faith and as she started to pour it out you see it's no good if it just stays in the jar but as she started to pour it out that trickle became a flow and it filled one jar and then another jar and another and another and another the jars from all the friends the jars from all the neighbours the jars from all the strangers until she said to her son quick quick bring me another jar because all the time I'm pouring it just keeps on going and then the son says we've got no more jars left mum because heaven didn't run out of oil they just ran out of containers you see the only lid was in their thinking and in that talk I, I said now God wants you and me to know we are his jars now he wants to put his glory inside each one of us and then to pour that out everywhere see growing up I was never a leader We were hard workers, but nobody in my family, my background was a leader. I thought some people were born leaders, but not me. And when I became a police officer, I had no desire to go up the ranks because I never saw myself as any kind of leader. And you'll always be who you see you are. And I had a lid on. And then I came to know Jesus, and he called me to lead people to know him. So eventually I spent three years training, studying theology, but they taught me nothing about leadership, to be honest, because the people teaching had never led a church, let alone grown one. But a few years into my ministry, I read a book by a guy called John Maxwell. It was called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and this book blew my mind. I mean, it actually blew the lid off. Reading that book, I realized leadership could be taught, so leadership could be learned. Later on, I got a tape set, 30 teaching tapes, all by John Maxwell, and I played them everywhere I went in the car, and that's how I learned to be a leader. Law number one in that book is called the law of the lid. He said the amount of your impact, your influence, or whatever else you might define success in life would be is determined by the lid that you place on your leadership. He said, leaders follow leaders. On a scale of one to 10, if I'm a four, I'm not gonna get a seven following me for very long. So I have to grow my effectiveness. I have to grow my leadership ability. But I never saw myself as a leader even until then. 
Who'd put the lid on me? Me. I decided I was about a four. That's where I was. That's who I was. The lid was in here, in my head, and so I lived accordingly. I read about a flea circus. You know, they put fleas in a jar and they close the lid. And actually, fleas can jump 150 times their own height. Imagine that. But for three days, the fleas keep jumping up and jumping up, and they bang their heads against that lid, and they learn limitations, so they will only ever jump to the height of the lid. You could take the lid off, and they've got used to the adjusted height, and even though the lid isn't there anymore, they'll never jump out of the jar. And actually, by the way, if they reproduce, neither will the next generation. Now, when I started to learn about leadership... I started to see myself as a leader, and so I became one. And God told me there is no lid. Because he says, you have an anointing from the Holy One to know all things. So the Bible should be the greatest leadership manual ever, and the people of God should be the solutions factory for the world, because we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We should be raising up Esthers and Josephs and and Daniels and seeing miracles among our friends and neighbours and making a difference everywhere. But what we've done, we've kept the miracles in the jars. We've kept God in the building somehow with us. We've put it all away safe. And And in this time of global crisis, God is calling us now and saying, all of that must change. In that previous talk, you can watch it online, I said we're moving from multi-site to multiplication, from buckets to jars. I want to explain that a little bit more. And, and for the many people who've joined Ivy since we've gone online, here's a brief history to catch you up. For others, it's a review to help us think better into our future together as Ivy Church, reminding us of our heritage and how God has always led us. See, this church all got started in 1893 in a house just a quarter of a mile from here. A young man called Oliver Brockbank just left university, became a believer in Jesus, talked about his faith to his gardener, who also became a disciple. They prayed, drew up a list of names. They prayed for them, invited them. This gardener, Mr. Green, shared the story of how Jesus had changed him. And a few of them said, yeah, we're interested. And they started to look at the Bible together. Before long, they had to move to a little house down the road called Ivy Cottage. And then that got too full. So this building was built, and it was called Ivy Cottage Mission Hall. Not to bring people to, but to send people from. And I'll have to fast forward through lots of history. I will be here all night. But I came here about 12 years ago. Around 10 years ago, we moved out again because it was too full. We met in various ways and places, ending up in Cine World in Didsbury with what we call Ivy Kingsway. Hundreds of us met there in that great big place for six years. It was fantastic and it filled up too. Then the owners demanded three times the amount that we would be in charge. And we, we said, no, some of you were here. You remember, I drew a bath a bit like this. Somebody better than me has drawn the, the bath this time. But now I said, the bath is going to overflow into all these buckets. All these things that something got started already, things like Academy. One called Soul City with some people leaving and not being Ivy, but we blessed them to go. The bath was running out into all these sites, all these buckets. And then COVID hit. And now we couldn't meet in any of these ways. And, and so what are we going to do? Maybe we hoped it would all just go back again soon. But when I look at the headlines, that doesn't seem realistic. It's not a strategy. It's just a wish to go back. And actually, we're always called to go forwards. So now we move from multi-sites and multiplication. What does it mean? I don't know everything about what it means, but I am excited. Because actually we're going back to where Ivy got started with ordinary people reaching out to their friends and their neighbours and telling them about Jesus. It's not a bath, it's not buckets. It's all about filling up the jars and God pouring out the miracles. What are the jars? You are the jars, right where you live. That's where the miracles are going to happen. If you lift the lid... 
Nobody knows everything that's going to happen in the future. Nobody but the Lord. And I know it's time for us all to grow and go forward. And whenever I want to grow in my leadership, I learn from somebody else. And I've been reading this fantastic book called Canoeing the Mountains and taking lots of notes and underlining. I like the title because Zoe and I have been getting into canoeing a bit recently. But the, the writer uses two very famous explorers, if you're an American, called Lewis and Clark as a central picture in the book. They were sent out by the president from the east to go west in canoes to find the river that would take them right across America from the Atlantic to the Pacific. But instead of a river, they saw the Rocky Mountains, hundreds of miles of mountains, all of them bigger than any, any they'd ever seen before. And they were not ready for that new terrain. They had no map for this. No training they've had before prepares them for what stands there in the shadow of the mountains with their canoes. They thought the world in front of them would look just like the world behind them, but now everything's changed. So if they weren't going to get where they were meant to go and fulfill the mission, they had to change. This guy, Todd Bolsinger, wrote the book before COVID, but he'd already seen how the church in the Western world today was failing and declining, in many places dying. So he wrote, it's, it's time we have to realise it's adapt or die time. And then he went on to note, that psychologically, even when people are faced with such a choice, 90% of people would rather die than change. How about us? In Deuteronomy chapter 30, God told the people, today I'm giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. I'm commanding you to be loyal to the Lord, to live the way he's told you and to obey his laws and teachings. You're about to cross the Jordan River and take the land he's giving you. If you obey him, you will live and become successful. And powerful. You see, that tells us God has a plan, but you can miss it. It's not automatic. You have a choice. God brought them out, but they had to choose to go in. Moses led the people across the sea into the desert. God told them, there's this land I've got for you full of milk and honey, a place of blessing. I've brought you out, but now it's up to you. Will you go in? And I think a lot of people who say they're Christians have heard Jesus call them out of sin and that old life. They've followed him out of the slavery of that life, but never followed him in to all that he's planned and proposed. And he'll never force you to. God didn't make us to be puppets. He gave us choices. And the first choice is to accept or reject his salvation. But then every day and right now, tonight, he's giving you the chance, the choice to listen and obey or ignore his voice. Which path will you choose? Which way will this church go now as the Lord leads Ivy forward? Well, the great news is at Ivy, unlike so many churches that have stayed, we've got a history of God leading us from one place to another. Over and over again as we, as we drew the last 12 years, and that's not even a full picture, so many things we tried and tested and moved and, and had to go out and change. We've even bought this big sports field in Cheadle Hume where soon we're going to be worshipping and praying together. Why did we buy a big field? Because God told us to. We didn't know what we were doing, but he did. And we've changed and we've adapted and we've stopped some things and we've started some more things. So now, more than many other churches, we can face the future without fear. Because we don't just look at the size of the mountain. We look at our God and we say, yes, Lord, we will step into all that you've got for us. Lewis and Clark knew the mission and the direction had not changed. Their purpose and identity remained the same going forward. But now... They didn't want to just survive, they wanted to thrive in the uncharted territory. The snowy peaks lay between them and that. How were they meant to get through? 
Well, they thought they'd get there by rowing. They thought the hardest part was behind them, but actually all that did was get them ready for what lay ahead. So they had to go off the map into a new environment, which meant the whole team had to change plans, give up old expectations and old ways, and say yes to the real adventure that was now right in front of them. What's it going to take for us at Ivy? Well, let me pass a leadership lesson on for you. The mountain doesn't get any smaller, but you can get bigger. Let me try that another way. The mountains in front of you, the challenges we all face, it is what it is. It won't get any smaller, but it won't get any bigger either. Whereas you can. You can grow. You can grow in faith, in courage. You can grow as a spiritual leader. Whatever number you might have given yourself right now, plugged into God, by the way, he just wants to give you a 10. In fact, there is no lid. And from the moment you connect your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is working to grow those fruits we were looking at in the mornings here. You can grow. God wants to grow you and make a difference for you when you grow. Then the mountains become molehills. I read the story of David and Goliath the other day, and David looked smaller on the outside, but he was, he was bigger than the giant on the inside because he knew he was by his side. He knew God could not get any bigger. And that's how, how it helped him to get bigger than the giant. See, I stopped growing physically some time ago, but I've never stopped growing spiritually. And I'm never going to stop growing as a leader. And my job is to grow me, and if you let me, I can help you grow. And so like we heard Rob say this morning, we were all filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now I know some of you don't see yourself as a leader. That has to change right now. Or you'll never make the difference in this life God gave you and you'll waste it. And time is too short, so grow up. Get over yourself. Look at the size of your God. Look at the size of the task and say, I am a leader. Say it right where you are. Say it now. I am a leader. Yes. Say this as well. There is no lid. Don't let the devil put that lid on you and stunt the future generations by you agreeing with the lie that says you're not a leader. There is no lid. Say that. Come on, stand up and say it. There is no lid on my life. Ephesians says God's able to do abundantly, exceedingly, above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that works inside of you. That means there is no lid. So, how do you canoe over the mountains? Well, the book says you don't. To continue forward, you have to change. You have to adapt. And if we're going to move forward as ivy now... In fact, what am I saying? Listen, we are going to move forward as ivy. Never mind if. We're going to move forward. Because we don't just stand there, go up in at the mountains. And if you're going to be a part of this and not fall away, then we need to stay together and stay on course with the same goal, identity, and mission and be one team. Everybody on the same adventure, we must adapt and change and make it through the uncharted territory ahead. Unafraid, we let go. We learn as we go. And we keep going no matter what. Like he says here, in the, I've got a quote from this, he says, we ditch the canoes, we ask for help, and when the time comes, we make a new boat out of burnt trees. Whatever we need to do to get through. See, Lewis and Clark just did whatever they could, and actually there was a point when they couldn't figure it out by themselves. They were guided by a native American woman called Sakawahi, very famous she became. She guided them through the mountains. And when we look for the way forward as a church, I'm so grateful we're part of a growing international church planting network called New Thing. 
And that connects us on mission to some of the best thinking in the world that's been showcased at launch. And it's such a good gift of God to us that will come into its own even more in this new future. When COVID first hit, I reached out to friends leading in other nations and and got the wisdom I could from them. I had a call with Dave Ferguson, who leads New Thing in the USA. Bishop Oscar Murray from uh, Kenya. See, the church is God's army, and these two are, are just generals. And I said to them, the way I see it, the American army is like, it has the most money, it has the, the best tech, incredible technology, all these systems for that. And, and so we look to them and we learn from them, and it's helped us to do so much of our church online. Here in the UK, our armed forces are not so big or well-resourced, but we can be smart and fast and adaptive if we're led well. And then I picture those Kenyan soldiers, I've seen them with an AK-47, they can live on a piece of chewing gum for like three weeks. And I think they're the soldiers that we need to be humble enough to learn the most from, to guide us forward, to face the losses and hardships and challenges and grab the opportunities that God puts in front of us. A guy called Matt Millar leads New Thing Africa, and this week he wrote about how our brothers and sisters there could not be more excited about the future of the church. I'm going to quote from what he said. He said, The season has illuminated that which was previously unseen by many, the unimaginable potential of the local church. COVID-19 and all that came with it has shone a light on the cracks and faults and deficiencies of our previous way of operating as the local church and begun to enlighten to us what could be the power and capacity of the church in this era of time has never been more evident or stirring. He says, it's helped them to redefine church. He said, we have redefined to our congregations what church actually is, making house churches and small groups the new norm and helping them see this mode of operating as an acceptable, even favorable way of doing church. They're also redefining leadership. He says leaders have to be willing to sacrifice and let go and for the church to succeed and thrive in accomplishing the Jesus mission. He says we have to de-institutionalize and decentralize and use simple systems to just reproduce more and more leaders. Relying on technology in small groups as the way forward and not a temporary stopgap. He's talking about systems, he says, that are not reliant on the approval, acceptance or allowance of any government for missional progress to happen and to remain happening. The reason he says that is because people in these other nations remember or already know what it's like when the government are not your patron or your protector, but become your persecutor. These African leaders say it's when these things happen that the church redefines culture and changes the world rather than the other way around. These are the kind of voices we hear at launch. And to take you to the next level as a growing spiritual leader, if that's what you're going to sign up for tonight, here to influence more and more people for Jesus. Acting now as your coach, I urge you to book in and join us this year on the 17th and 18th of November online. Because it's one of the very best events in the whole world of its kind, and it just happens to be organised by Ivy, the church network that your church, the church that meets in your house, is part of. I want you to, I want to be like John Maxwell to you. I want to pour into you something. 1 Timothy 2.2 says you need to find reliable people and pour into them and then they pass it on and they pass it on again and so everybody grows somebody and multiplication happens everywhere. See, redefining leadership in a redefined church in a redefined world means from now on, more than ever, my job, in fact, anybody who gets paid here at Ivy, we're only here, we're only useful to the extent that we are equipping the saints for the work of ministry, as it says in Ephesians 4. 
You may have heard of New Thing. You might have heard of Launch in the past and thought, oh, that's great for somebody else. But what's it got to do with me? Now I want to tell you, as a growing spiritual leader, here to change the world for Jesus, this is part of God's equipping for you for such a time as this. We need you to do this. I've started the Future Church podcast recently. On the podcast, Josh Howard, he runs New Thing from India, and he spoke so powerfully. And whenever I spend time with Josh, as I, I was talking to him about for the podcast, I, I grow in so many ways. See, over 30 years ago, it was his father-in-law who started this mission, planting one church. By 2015, they'd added 1,400 churches. But then they started to move away. They couldn't afford the buildings. So they started to move into multiplic- multiplication of disciples and leaders. And in the 11 countries around them, you see, they have nearly 65% of, 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 of the people there have not been reached for the gospel. There's only one percent of them that are Christians and so they moved to multiplication and spread out into other nations too and they made everything about getting the church to go to the world and everybody to make disciples and make disciples and yes I mean everyone Josh said Josh said at launch when he grew up in the USA as a church goer there were all kinds of things that sometimes he felt guilty about he felt guilty if he missed church on a Sunday Sometimes he felt a bit guilty about not giving or not being at particular meetings. But he said, you know what? He never felt guilty about not doing the one thing Jesus told his disciples to do. When he said, go into all the world and make disciples. For years and years, he went to church, but he never, had any, he never led anybody to come to know Jesus. He never showed one person how to find their way back to God and then help them to help somebody else to do the same. And Josh told me, though, that in the last five years, they've just pushed more and more into doing that and making that the norm for everybody to learn to lead in those different ways. And it isn't about who knows the most Bible, who's had the most theological training, who's been in the church the longest, because most of their people are actually uneducated. His father-in-law, Dr. RJ, says, I'd rather have 100 radically dedicated, passionate followers of Jesus than 10,000 biblical scholars who've lost their passion. He says, you can teach the Bible but you can't teach passion. And that's what I'm asking for you tonight. It's all God's looking for. I've been asking God more than anything for this in myself in the last few months. I've been praying every day and every night, Lord, the world seems to be getting darker, so light the fire in me. Lord, breathe on the fire that you put inside of me so it glows brighter and brighter, so other people see you as the light of the world in me. Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that they'd been with Jesus. People like Peter and James and John and Mary Magdalene, they didn't have the education, but they had the passion. They didn't have the qualifications, they had the power. They had this passion for Jesus. They had that fire and God is still looking for that. It's the number one qualification and without it, nothing else matters. In the last four years now, they're in India. Now, since they've started to say every Christ follower is a potential leader and pouring into that, they've planted twice as many churches as they did in the 30 years before, mostly in houses. And when COVID hit, they were put into a severe lockdown. People were only able to reach out to a few neighbours and pray for them in these different ways. They continued to reach, however, and so they have planted a further 325 churches this year so far. On a podcast, Josh talked about how they train leaders. He said 90% of their leaders, reaching the hardest people to reach, remember, in some of the most hostile environments on earth, in in places where it's often illegal to preach, convert, or be baptised. Ask them their story, it's going to be like this. 
I was a Hindu. I was worshipping millions of gods. I was a Muslim worshipping Allah. But my dad was dying. Or my mum was possessed by, by demons. And, and a Christian that we knew came and prayed. And a leader came and spoke the name of Jesus. And I, and I saw that Jesus is the real God because my, my family were healed. And, and, and everybody got baptised on the same day because that healing happened. Because that, somebody with power came. Somebody with passion came and talked about Jesus. How many encounters with Jesus do you think we've had? If you've been coming to church for years, we pray and we worship and say, Lord, we want to meet with you. We, want to, we need you. We need you. And these people had one encounter and it changed their whole lives and set them on a new trajectory forever. They became disciples who made disciples, leaders who grew leaders, part of a, mul- a movement of small multiplying churches meeting anywhere, anyhow, just any way they can to worship the one they love and serve no matter what and bring other people to know him too. See, when COVID hit here, I stood on this stage and I, and I wanted everybody to go. I said, and go and get some oil and anoint the place where you are to be the church in your house. And many of you did that. The danger of misunderstanding even that is we start to think your house is the place. Your grow group perhaps is the church now. No, you are the church. We are the church. I am the church. Jesus said church is his people battering down the gates of hell, setting other people free. We have this temple mentality. We even make it about our houses and our grow groups. But it's not a building. You're the temple. I'm the temple. You are the holy of holies because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are the place where the glory of God wants to fill. And when you go out and wherever you go, then the presence and the power of God shows up so other people get to meet him and touch him and hear him and know him and come to him. And so I want to pray for you in a moment and ask God if you're willing, if you could stand up to anoint you to be a disciple who makes disciples, a leader worth following, somebody who leads other people to know Jesus too. But I don't want to make it easy to say yes because it comes with a cost. Don't just do this with emotion. This week, one night, I asked God to show me something about the future for tonight to share with you. And I haven't got time to go into the dream that he gave me, but I saw various ivy people in the dream out there telling other people about Jesus and leading them to know him. Just quietly, in lots of little ways, changing the world, handing out food, helping in Jesus' name. I saw somebody at work passing a note about Jesus to somebody who was discipling. Somebody else singing a Christmas carol just to pass the truth in the words on. And then I looked up into the sky and over their heads... There's this incredible spiritual warfare. This battle was taking place in the heavenlies. And we know Jesus wins in the end. But that's what you're signing up for. And Josh said, you see, when we talked on that podcast, he said, all too often we've got that story Jesus told about the wise man who built his house on the rock. Completely wrong. People like me have preached and we thought the wise people are those who build their lives on Jesus and the foolish ones don't. So when the storms come, the house falls down around them. But that's not what Jesus said. Start to pray, start to connect with God. Lord, you said some people hear your words and do what you say. They're the wise ones, the ones who hear and do. You said other people hear the word, but they don't do anything about it. They don't go and pray for the sick. They don't go and help the prisoners. They don't take the good news and share it with anybody. And Lord, we've been fooled into thinking, into setting up a whole church system on just hearing and coming into church buildings and hearing and hearing and hearing. And when these storms hit, we see it all falls flat on sinking sand. Lord, would you light, or would you relight that fire, that that first love for you again in me tonight? Don't let what other people say or think or do stop me. 
Lift the lid. In the name of Jesus, lift the lid off you. Don't let fear hold us back. Don't let us stand scared in the shadow of the mountains. I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And Lord, you're the one we look to now as we worship you. Where are you going to go? Who are you going to go to? We may be physically more and more restricted. We're living in days when we're going to be spiritually unrestricted. See, they might say you've got to be forced and stay in your house or you're going to get a fine or something like this. Well, Jesus said, go into your room. Go into, your, into the secret place and pray. Connect there with God. Nothing that happens can stop us if we lift the lid. Lord, lift the lid on us right now. And we're going to worship and we're going to pray these things in. And, and, if, and, and contact us. Give us, what, give us what God's saying to you now. Share your words. Share your thoughts. Share your dreams. Share your pictures with us online. Because we want to hear that from you, from the church that meets in your house. As we grow you to be the leader that God is calling you to be. And pray for me that I'll be that leader too. And everybody here, we're all going to grow. Lord, lift the lid. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.